Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 263 and we're talking about communication tips for traveling couples. That's right. We have been uh, traveling together as a couple since February 2006. So uh, hopefully we have a little bit of uh, helpful stuff to say as we talk around this topic today. It's February 2013. Oh, wow. (laughs) that's quite mad how long is that i'm bad at maths seven years seven years of full-time travel that's pretty impressive yeah okay so we we i think that we might be qualified to talk about this topic (laughs) i think you might be right um and i think we might be qualified to go and have a glass of wine this evening to celebrate yes well i've just had one so yeah well you spent the afternoon out at one of the local bodegas uh doing a review yeah one of the great things about hedias is that there are lots and lots of wineries to visit and it's kind of a bit stink because they charge quite a lot to, to let you in, but it's a touristy attraction. So you go in and you do the tour and at the end you get a, um, a taste of the wine. So today, because Elba's come to visit, our friend from La Coruña, uh, we went to visit González Bies, which is the home of Tio Pepe, possibly the most famous of all the cherries. And as expected, because it's the most famous, it's also the most touristy. And it was, oh my goodness. It was very touristy. There were lots of people there. Luckily, our tour only had three people on it. So it was me and Alba and one other guy. And the guide was very nice. We had a video. But then at the end, we only got to try two wines. And in comparison with the other tours we've done, $12.50 was quite expensive, the entrance fee. So I wasn't super impressed with that, especially because the second wine was pretty gross. Mm, Well, I guess people can look out for your full review on reviews.indietravelpodcast.com. Yeah, I suppose a better write it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Uh, There'll also be reviews of some of the restaurants and attractions that we've done over the last few days, visiting the Pueblos Blancos, a whole lot of little mountain towns in the... uh, the Andalusian Mountains, and um, <laughs> and uh, yesterday we were in Seville, um, and we had a great time there as well. So all of those will be coming up on reviews.indietravelpodcast.com. Sometimes it's great to have a, a visitor, because it means you mm. do all these things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. Yeah, yeah. And we're coming into our last couple of weeks here as well, so it's uh, yeah time to run around and do all that last minute stuff we haven't got to including publishing a couple of guidebooks. Yeah, we have very a exciting. Buenos Aires guidebook and a Las Vegas guidebook coming out this month. So please keep an eye on the site, IndieTravelPodcast.com. And uh, yeah, go check them out at IndieTravelGuides.com. We're doing some interesting things and we'll be talking more about that next week when we also interview the Buenos Aires guidebook author, Stephanie Ockerman. Yeah, so you should definitely buy those books. And don't forget that you can also help the Indie Travel Podcast stay traveling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels and slash insurance if you're booking your travel online. And there's also a growing list of day tours at tours.indietravelpodcast.com and travel deals updating daily there as well. So really, basically, you should come visit the site, look around, have some fun and buy some stuff. That'll be awesome. That would be indeed. That keeps us going. And uh, well, talking about keeping on going, we'd better go on with the, uh, the meat of this week's show, which is talking about travel as a couple and how to keep on talking. Lots of keeping on. Yes. I think just <laughs> as a disclaimer... We are not the perfect couple. <laughs> we have our arguments. Don't tell people that. <laughs> so although we have, well, we've been married for 10 years and uh, we're still together, which is obviously quite a good thing, um, we have our problems just like anyone else. But we have discovered ever since we got together that communication was absolutely the number one thing that was the most important thing to work on in our relationship. 
Before we got married, we did pre-marriage counselling, which was worth its weight in gold. Given that it didn't weigh anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd pay that again. I'd pay that again. (laughs) But just learning about communication was the best thing we did. It was talking about what you expect the other person to do for you, how to express that, what they want from you, how they can express it, how to hear what they're saying, how to respond, all of this stuff. It's it's really, really, really important. <laughs> well, I guess especially as you're traveling, because mm-hmm. travel puts extra strains onto a relationship. Yeah. You know, normally you've got your family or your friends around you that you can go and kind of let off some steam or get some advice or just go and re-socialize by hanging out with different people and kind of reset. And when you're traveling, you... I mean, you're not always in each other's pockets. Sometimes you're off doing different things or, you know. But quite often you're together more than ever before. Mm-hmm. And you're also in a strange environment with new challenges and without your regular kind of support crew. So, yeah, it's it's a different ball game. Yeah, well, people say that traveling together can make or break the relationship, right? Yeah. So I suppose it's important to get things sorted out before you start traveling Try and work on your communication before you go so that it will make the relationship rather than break it. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, what we're after here. Well, the first point um, that we're going to bring up and talk about is kind of a, a super bedrock kind of one. <laughs> and that's honesty. I mean, you know, being honest is an important part of any relationship. Um, and it's something that you have to do more of on the road, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree. Honesty is a really important part of any relationship, but it's quite surprising how many couples just lie as a matter of course. I mean, we lie to each other all the time. Like, not not big lies, just minor exaggerations or evasions or mistruths. Like, you never do the dishes. Oh, gosh. I say that to you all the time. (laughs) Because you never do. (laughs) Yeah, quite often I've just done them though yeah (laughs) but if you say i feel like you never do the dishes that's that's true because it feels like that it's talking it's talking about your emotions rather than a statement of fact chances are the other person probably does the dishes occasionally might be once a year but you know they've probably (laughs) done the dishes sometime in the past Keeping that example going, um, when we got married, we were kind of dividing up all of the chores and things like that, and um, just creating clear boundaries for who was going to end up doing what and who was going to be responsible for it. But then we found out we were kind of, it wasn't being dishonest, but it was just looking at the world in different ways, where you'd go, well, why haven't you cleaned the floor because it doesn't need to be cleaned. It's clean. It's a floor. <laughs> what do you want? And Linda feels like she's wading through knee-deep mud where <laughs> I feel like I'm walking on this pristine, clean surface. And it's uh, just things like that, surfacing those issues and finding out why you're getting stressed or what is it that's making you exhausted or, you know, why you all of a sudden don't quite have the money you thought you were going to have to pay for that next bus ride. Just surfacing all of these issues, these assumptions, and and being honest with each other around them, even if you sometimes have to talk around things a little bit more, Yeah, it really can make life a lot easier while you're planning your trip and while you're out traveling. 
Yeah, I think it's really important not to hide your feelings from each other. Like when I felt frustrated that Craig hadn't cleaned the floor, which was really dirty, if I just said, ah, oh, you never cleaned the floor, that's not gonna help anything. What I need to say was, I feel like the floor is really dirty. Why is it so dirty? And he could say, it's not dirty. And I could say, it's really dirty. And we could have a little discussion about this. And I mean, it was very interesting because uh, we needed to find out where we were different. In this case, we had completely different standards. Like just this morning, um, Craig cleaned the stairs and I said, oh gosh, these stairs look so much cleaner. And he said, I can't see the difference. So big of a difference. So we just have different ways of looking at the world. So basically with the vacuuming example, uh, I learned that he has a different standard to me and he learned that he had to vacuum once a week regardless of how dirty the floor looked. <laughs> so yeah, I think just uh, don't hide your feelings. If you feel frustrated, say it. I mean, why, why say you're fine if you're not? Uh, if your partner asks what's wrong, you know, if you're sitting there getting all upset and your partner says, what's wrong? Don't say, I'm fine. How is the person, how's your partner going to know what the problem is? Yeah, I guess the way is that, that this example of everyday household chore doing uh, relates to travel is especially around things like standards of activities and accommodation. Uh, yeah. um, you know, you might be quite happy staying in a 20-bed dorm for a few nights to, to save the money to go and do the activities that you want to do. But uh, then your partner might not and might prefer to not do the activities but have a, a private room in a in a hostel or hotel and uh, you know your your assumptions about the standard of life or the kind of things you're going to do is really really important and it can help a lot during the planning stage if you um, if you can surface that yeah I think it's really important because quite often people think if he or she really loved me, she'd know what's wrong. She'd know what I want. She'd know what I expect to do. No, that is a complete misbelief. It is not true. How is he or she going to know if you don't tell him or her? If you want to stay in a nicer place, you need to say, I want to stay in a nicer place. And then your partner will know. It's not that difficult. But everyone's brain works differently. And what's blindingly obvious to you that I don't want to sleep in a 20 bed door, duh, <laughs> uh, is just not noticeable. Like with Craig and the and the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one is all about, uh, I guess, that same thing, um, communication, clear communication, but um, around asking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want your partner to do something for you, ask. Also, not rocket science. But unless you've been together for a decade or two decades or a hundred years, and you've spent that that century asking for things, your partner won't be able to guess what you want. The, the idea that your partner should know what you want and give it to you is called the spontaneity misbelief. And that, that word misbelief is very important because it's not real. <laughs> it's, it's really similar to what we were talking about before about uh, having similar standards and just thinking that your partner should know what you, what you mm. expect. In this case, it's that you're, you expect that your partner will know what you, what you want and how, how? How is your partner supposed to know that? Your partner does not have magic mind-reading powers, probably. <laughs> well, I guess the thing is people think that, you know, if, if, if you love me, you'll, you'll just know it. Um, and, you know, it takes time to train people into learning what you want magically. Like, I know that I will feel loved if Linda brings me a cup of coffee in bed in the morning so I can have a coffee without actually having to move. 
that's that's wonderful. I think but he actually prefers having a cup of coffee in the morning to having me. Oh. <laughs> if he had to ex- exchange, <laughs> you know, for a Jeeves-like butler <laughs> to bring him coffee in the morning or me. Uh, oh, well. So I, I make sure that he wants to stay with me by bringing him coffee in the morning. And he, he expresses his... His thanks for that because, oh my goodness, this is the best thing in the entire world. Oh my God, it's so great. Oh. Right, so back to the point, which is that 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 didn't just magically happen. That happened through us experimenting with finding out what we like and also asking for what we like. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it if you're going traveling, it's going to be different from being at home. And there's a whole new set of experiences and ways of dealing with things i know one thing that comes up for us a lot is when one of us is tired we don't want to have to deal with ordering food buying tickets basically anything that has to do with human interaction so it's not quite a code but we say to each other look i'm really tired and not functioning properly i'm feeling completely and utterly overwhelmed will you go and just organize this. I don't care what you order me for dinner. Just go and yep, you decide. order, order You're in me charge. something. Just do it. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so getting that that feeling of ah, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I can't deal with anything. I'm tired. Getting that out and explaining it and asking in a really concrete way for your partner to help you mm-hmm. does a lot of good. Yeah. And I think people think that. Your partner should know what you want and should just give it to you. But if you ask and your partner gives it to you, well, that's an expression of love, right? Mm. And of course, it's important to find a balance between asking and giving. You can't just ask, ask, ask and expect your partner to always give to you because, well, that's not really a relationship. That's kind of a servant master (laughs) situation. (laughs) (laughs) See, which is why I think Craig could do quite well with a valet, (laughs) with a valet. But uh, so you need to be prepared to hear no. Or you could just ask less. I mean, if you only ask every so often, then you could be more likely to, to hear yes. Mm. If your partner always drops what he or she is doing to perform your every command, then probably your relationship isn't the most healthy. So finding that balance between asking and giving, offering mm. as well is another thing. Um, you know, if, if I just bring Craig coffee in the morning, he feels very loved. But, for example, he makes me breakfast in bed occasionally, and I don't feel any less, less loved if I roll over and go, make me breakfast, <laughs> and then he brings it to me. Then if he just gets up and gets it for himself, I still get the eggs, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you are listening to this and your partner is not listening to this, then it's probably worth talking about this whole asking, receiving kind of thing before you start doing it because otherwise your partner might be in for a bit of a shock if you suddenly uh, change your way of relating to each other uh, autonomously (laughs) shall we say remember when we first started doing this asking and giving thing Mm. and it was we we were at our house in water street which is a big studio apartment and i was sitting on the couch and craig said hey linda will you what was it will you iron my shirt or something like that and i was like no Oh, no, that's right. I started. I said, Craig, will you pass me my water bottle? Okay. That's not a big request. And he said, I will pass you, pass you your water bottle if you iron my shirt. I'm like, what? <laughs> no. He said, no, no, keep going. Ask me for something in return. And so we went on and on. So I said, okay, I will iron your shirt if you make the bed, you know, wash the sheets and everything. He said, okay, I'll, I'll wash, I will make the bed if you 
cut something up for a class. And I said, okay, I will cut something up for the class if you make cookies. And he said, okay, I'll make the cookies if you... And we, we went on and on, and eventually after about five or six exchanges, we agreed, and that was it. And so I ended up with a clean bed and cookies. Craig ended up with an iron shirt and his things cut up, and I got my water bottle, of course. And we were both happy. It was brilliant. And he got the cookies too. <laughs> <laughs> was all good. So that could well, be quite a fun activity. If you're, if you're just starting out, do that. Just just find a, a happy balance and ask for things that you're, you'd be happy to give to them anyway. Yeah, it's good, good negotiation practice. Well, um, again, be positive. I mean, the, the previous points are useful for any couple, but once you're on the road and under stress and feeling tired and you've just missed the bus and you don't speak the language to get your bus ticket changed and ah yeah um you need to be positive you need to support each other yes i mean it's just the two of you so it's a good idea to be positive to each other make an effort to notice the small things that he or she does for you and say thank you i mean just saying thank you can really make a big difference and i mean it's nice to be noticed right yeah, of course, of course. And I know that's, for me, that's really hard as a introvert. I sometimes don't notice what people around me are doing because I get wrapped up in my own, my own world, especially when I'm tired. And mm-hmm. it's really, you know, it's when you're tired, when the rubber hits the road and communication. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I have to make a conscious effort, you know, sometimes it's 10 or 15 minutes later when I realize hey, Linda just did that thing for me, and that was nice. And then kind of go back and remember to to say thank you. Yeah, I'm the same. Like today when Craig washed the the floor, uh, I didn't notice to begin with. I noticed that it was clean. I said, oh, cool, the floor is clean. That's nice. And then 10 or 15 minutes later, I was like, okay, must say thank you. Hey, Craig, thanks for cleaning the floor. (laughs) And it's just nice. It's really nice. I mean, also, just do nice things for your partner without being asked, Mm. because that's always nice. And say I love you a lot. That generally tends to go down well. It does, doesn't it? Um, what are those five love languages that oh, someone yeah. came up with? Um, well, that there's acts of service, so mm-hmm. doing things for people. Yeah, which is big and, for Craig. <laughs> you, you might have noticed that's come up today. Yeah. Um, physical touch. That yes. one's self-explanatory. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there words of is encouragement. Words of encouragement. So, so saying same. I love you and thank you and things like that. Yeah, saying nice things um, and gift giving. Mm-hmm. Is another big one. And there's quality one time. more. Quality time. Spending quality time together. Which you're and probably so, already doing if you're traveling together. Well, you're definitely spending time together. Mm-hmm. But how much of that is quality time is another another thing, I guess. That's true. That's true. Right. So it might be worth having a date night every so often. We've never done that because we haven't, I don't know, we never really had dates ever. So, <laughs> <laughs> But if you're finding that you're getting a bit stressed and it's just hard Set aside a budget and go out for a nice meal or go out for an ice cream or something mm. without the stress of travel and just get out from your normal routine. But yeah, it's a good idea to think about what's your love language? What, how do you feel most loved? Do you feel more loved when someone does something for you, when someone buys you a gift, when someone says something nice to you, when someone spends time with you? Or what is it? And what's your partner's one? Because you might be showing your love by hugging and kissing and they don't receive love that way. They receive love by uh, acts of service. So the fact that you haven't washed the dishes, well, they're yeah. just not going to feel... That, that, that cancels out the hug. No, it's just they're not going to notice it. It's just, how can you... What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so work out what their love language is. Work out what your love language is. Talk about it. And, uh, and work out how you can show love to your partner. Mm. 
And also uh, another thing was the allergic emotions. Are there anything that really you just can't stand? Mm. For example, I really hate it when someone isn't listening to me. And so if I said something to Craig and he doesn't listen, it's very, very frustrating. And if he says, what do you say? I'm, ah! Similarly, he hates being shouted at. So when Linda goes, ah, <laughs> I just pretend it's a pterodactyl. <laughs> well, in my family, we always shouted. So I actually had to unlearn a whole lot of behaviors and stop shouting at him. I shouted at him the other day. Actually, I raised my voice <laughs> and I felt so guilty. It's like, oh, no, I'm attacking you. <laughs> well, our next point is don't blame. And nice. I don't blame you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I blame myself. Oh, how cheesy. We learned the word for that in Spanish the other day. Nyonyo. Que nyonyo. <laughs> I used it today. The video was a bit nyonyo. Gonzalez beers. <laughs> well, things do go wrong. And sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's your partner's fault. And sometimes it's a third party's fault. Whether that's... And sometimes it's nobody's fault. Yeah. It's just, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's important to, you know, not... Put not turn the screws. Mm. Um, if you're at home, you can kind of get away with a little bit of it, even though it's not the healthiest of behaviours. But um, you know, there's there's other people that they can vent to or they can go to for help or advice. Or but if you're reasonably isolated, you're travelling full time, and uh, yeah, it, there, there's nowhere else to go. That's there's right. there's no easy vent, so mm. it makes it. Uh, you know, a more more difficult behavior to deal with. That's right. So try not to blame. I mean, if your partner forgot to lock a door and something got stolen, mm. or if they fell for a scam, or you got lost because they thought they knew where they were going, but actually they didn't, and really you should have taken the map and you knew you should have because they always get lost. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it doesn't help to blame the other person. It really doesn't. And... It doesn't help to blame yourself either. When I stuff up, I, I'm a blamer. I blame Craig for stuff all the time. But I also blame myself, if not, well, more probably. I blame myself more if I do something wrong than I blame him, which is just as unhealthy and I really need to stop doing it. But at least I don't vocalize it quite as much as I did. <laughs> because it doesn't help. M mistakes happen and saying, oh, it's your fault, isn't, I mean, that's not going to help you resolve the situation. Yeah, I guess we're pretty um, practical when it comes to stuff like that. The The question is, okay, how do we fix things up? Not, okay, where did we go wrong? Yeah. But um, I guess the other side of that coin where it can get unhealthy as well is if you completely absolve people of responsibility. That's right. So keep keep the responsibility, but lose the blame. Yeah. Lose, the, lose the emotional side of, uh, well, it's going to be emotional when you make a mistake anyway. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, so work on, you know, taking responsibility and trying to make sure it doesn't happen again rather than on, uh, yeah, turning the emotional screws. Yeah, I mean, accept that mistakes happen, but also learn from it. If there mm. was a mistake that was someone's fault, look at the actions that happened before that and don't do them again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if your partner is really bad at remembering to lock doors, you could take responsibility for, for being the key holder. Or if... Um, if, you're, if you always get lost, <laughs> like me, ask your partner to be responsible for uh, doing the map reading and then don't blame them if they get lost because you've passed that responsibility over. Mm. 
Well, we've been talking about domestic arrangements for <laughs> the last uh, 20, 25 minutes or so. So let's give one more piece of advice, which is to practice. Practice is the most important thing you can do. Good communication takes practice, just like anything. And uh, you need to agree to practice together. It's probably not going to work too well if you communicate really well and your partner has no idea what's going on. Yeah, it will help, but yeah. Well, then you're not you're still not communicating very well because communication takes both sides of you know the partnership or to uh, to do it and yeah. to hear what the other person's saying and communicate in a way that they can be heard. So, yeah, I reckon that doing your trip planning is a yes. great time to begin practicing your negotiations and. Uh, things like that for when you're actually out on the road. So when you're beginning to look at budget, accommodation options, how long to spend here or there, things that you must do, things that you're excited about. You know, we've been focusing on some of the more negative aspects today because that's where people have problems. But um, <laughs> it, it's not all, uh, all doom and gloom and washing the floor. <laughs> washing the floor is really important. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, good communication takes practice, and it's it's worth starting before you go on the trip. But if you're already traveling, it's not the end of the world. You can start now. In fact, you can start at any time. So go to it. Well, if you've found anything today to be useful, you might like to pick up a copy of the book that we wrote, The Art of Couples Travel, which covers uh, well communication skills, but also planning, budgeting, problem solving, um, being out on the road, and a whole bunch of questions that we've been asked by people um, as they begin to, to plan their travels or when they've run into problems out in the world of travel. Yeah, and if you want to, uh, if you have any questions about what we've talked about today or if you want to meet other travellers or talk about anything to do with travel, come to IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums, get your free community account and join in the conversation. Uh, thanks to everyone that booked through us in January. Of course, you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels slash insurance and the new tours listings at tours.indietravelpodcast.com where we've also got uh, promotions, deals, discounts happening all the time. And make sure to visit guides.indietravelpodcast.com to check out our library of books. Indeed. Uh, next week, as we said, we'll be speaking about Buenos Aires with Stephanie Ockerman. And uh, it was a fun interview to do, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. And remember, for some non-monetary ways of helping us out, tell your friends about Indie Travel Podcast. Invite them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash travel or leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. Mm, and we're on soundcloud.com as well now, so you can come and uh, follow us there if you prefer. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.